Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday, live and on demand here on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number here at The Blaze. Who knows? Someday we may take calls again on this show, but today will not be that day. However, you are welcome to email us. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. For those of you listening on the audio portion or to the podcast on demand, if you are, thank you. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would be very, very grateful because the more of those we get, the more people like you we find, and then the more likely we are to get to continue to do this for a living. And let's just be brutally honest. I know Todd and Aaron will agree with me on this. There's, There's really nothing else we could do other than this, so... Look at us as your personal welfare uh, program. Cut the check. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Thank you. It is Wednesday. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us a little bit later on at the bottom of the hour to take us inside politics. Next hour, we're going to play a little game of buy, sell, or hold. So we will touch on unfathomable amounts of diverse topics during the course of that conversation. But before we get to all of those zany hijinks, before they may ensue, first, we must find out what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by patriotism. I don't know what it is, but Elon Omar sure as heck does. Patriotism isn't fully believing in a particular administration. True patriotism is about fighting for your country and its dignity. The freshman squad of Congresswomen continue to speak up against Nancy Pelosi. Our teams are, are in communication, our chiefs are, are But shouldn't it be a face-to-face? I want to know if you were She's speaking- She's the new member, not the speaker. No, but she I want to She has know. every right to sit down with her in any moment, any time, with any of us. Yeah. She is Speaker of the House. She can ask for a meeting to sit down with us for clarification. The fact of the knowledge is, and I've done racial justice work in our country for a long time, acknowledge the fact that we are women of color. So when you do single us out, be aware of that and what you're doing. Speaking of Nancy Pelosi, she was ruled out of order on the House floor yesterday after she described some of Trump's recent tweets as racist. This caused somewhat of a Democrat meltdown on the floor with Minnesota Congressman Emanuel Cleaver abandoning the speaker's chair or something nobody really knows what happened. It's all juvenile. Joe Biden weighed in on the controversy surrounding Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others yesterday. The freshman of Pickley AOC is smart as hell. Mm -hmm. Really bright. Smart as hell. Great choice of words. Speaking of hell, Planned Parenthood aborted its new CEO yesterday. Dr. Leanna Wynn, like many others who walked into Planned Parenthood, didn't last nine months. According to a report by BuzzFeed News, sources say she was ousted because she refused to use quote-unquote trans-inclusive language and telling her staff that she believed talking about transgender issues would quote, isolate people in the Midwest. CNN gave its platform to avowed white supremacist Richard Spencer yesterday. Don't think it went the way they planned on it. Many white nationalists will eat up this red meat that Donald Trump is throwing out there. I am not one of them. I recognize the con game that is going on. 
They say Trump is all talk and no action on maintaining white dominance in America. CNN also did a focus group of eight Republican women on Trump's recent tweets. How many of you don't think what the president said was racist? Raise your hand. 26-year-old Jaylene Hinkle is a soccer player and gave up the opportunity to play on the U.S. women's national team. She recently spoke to CBN about her decision to do so. Then days before the event, it was announced that the team jersey was designed to honor the LGBT community. Jaylene again turned to God. I just felt so convicted in my spirit that it wasn't my job to wear this jersey. And I gave myself um, three days to just seek and pray and determine what he was asking of me to do in the situation. In the face of opposition and social media backlash, Jaylene withdrew from the games with the support of her teammates. In response to that piece, Ashlyn Harris, a player on the U.S. women's national team, said, quote, Hinkle, our team is about inclusion. Your religion was never the problem. The problem is your intolerance and you are homophobic. And now learning Spanish today. Today's phrase is tolerance. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Tolerancia. Sigues usando esa palabra. No creo que signifique lo que piensas que significa. And finally, footage emerged recently of New York City and its continued problems with gang violence. Hey! Hey, what, Ricky Ricardo looking mother? Just a game. And that's what happened while we were away. You sure that wasn't a video from a Republican Party strategy session on how to fight back against the left? That wasn't hijacked out of a Ouch. closed room somewhere, some five-star hotel uh, in, in some congressional district Republicans could never win? You sure that's not what that was? Could be. Could be. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at Patriot Mobile. We, know, we now know Google and YouTube aren't just silencing conservatives, but they're also manipulating their algorithms to interfere with the 2020 election. In fact, Facebook just admitted they did so recently to interfere with an Irish election about the abortion issue, that they were on purpose downgrading and censoring with their algorithm pro-life videos in the days leading up to that Irish election. I mean, they just flat out admitted this. Meanwhile, companies like Verizon and AT&T are taking the proceeds from your mobile phone bill and funding leftist causes and candidates. This includes promoting illegal immigration, uh, baby killing, gun confiscation, etc. You know, there's only one way to preserve the Constitution and the values which made our country great, and that is we stick together. This means supporting each other's causes and companies. And leading the charge in this effort is veteran-led Patriot Mobile with unlimited plans starting as low as $25 per month. You can get the same crystal clear nationwide service. But now a portion of your bill is going to support the candidates and causes that you believe in. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com, select your plan, and get a free month of service when you use the offer code COMEONOVER. Offer code COMEONOVER. Get a free month of service at PatriotMobile.com, which since 2015 has raised over $2 million for causes that uh, protect and defend the Constitution and our way of life. Again, promo code COMEONOVER when you go to PatriotMobile.com. We are going to discuss um, the the roundtable on CNN yesterday, and and 
that's going to come up in the in the overtime for those of you that are subscribers to blaze tv if you're not yet a subscriber just go to blaze tv.com slash dace you'll get a discounted subscription right there and you can watch all of the exclusive content that we produce for our subscribers on this show and all our other shows on blaze tv each and every day because i i, I know we are playing this off and it's it's possible it's true i know we are playing this off as or interpreting it in conservative media as CNN attempting to talk these Republican women uh, into acknowledging that Trump is a racist. But I also think it's possible something else is happening with that clip. And now we are talking about CNN. It is perfectly possible. Someone put a banana peel on a sidewalk put a sign in neon lights pointing to the banana peel that said, watch out for this. Don't step on this. You may slip and fall. Someone then with a bullhorn right next to the neon sign screaming out, don't step on the banana peel. You may slip and fall. And yet, Anderson's been cooped up too long and Wolf Blitzed over there may have may still step on the banana peel. I fully acknowledge this while Brian Stelter tells us why this was the best tripping on a banana peel you have ever seen. I, I do agree that that is possible, maybe even likely. But there's been a long term play here with media like CNN where Trump is concerned. And conservatives are concerned. And I think it's possible there's another angle to this we're missing. It could very well be they're just dumb. I, high I, odds. High I, odds. Yes. But if if but the odds on that are so high, there's no point betting that. Right? <laughs> you got you gotta you gotta wager a hundred to bet a dollar or wager a hundred to bet to win a dollar. Okay. You're not gonna you're not gonna do that. All right. So if you're looking for an off a, a better value bet that's more of a long shot, I admit it's a long shot that maybe what really happened there is something else. I'm going to posit that theory later today in our overtime, okay? I'm listening. All right, so we'll get to that coming up a little bit later on. Who's, who is... Um, I, I had sympathy for Joe Biden's campaign team a few days ago on this show. If you now are continuing to put him in front of a camera at this point, then I... Then I, I the, the sympathy is gone. My favorite thing okay. was the old man thumbs up he gave. Like, she's she's a peach. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> so bad. The sympathy is gone now. Just just rival to rival, fellow campaign staffer, warrior to you know Rommel to Patton. I I felt some sympathy for you all with that performance a few days ago after the debates when it was clear you were trying to get him to understand that he's at an existential point here in his candidacy and he needs to he needs to bring the fire he's got to you know show he still has the fire in the belly he hasn't lost his fastball let alone the ability to even reach the plate with a ball of any speed okay um but if you are continuing to put him out in front of the camera now you're not smart as hell or really bright no no i mean I, I, the only thing I can think of, either you really suck at your job or you've already lined up the campaign that you're going to jump to when Biden collapse, when Biden's out. Can it be both? And, and so you are 
essentially setting him up to fail to, to make yourself even more valuable to the new campaign on that side that you will begin uh, working for. I mean, we had this in the, we had this in the Republican field in 2016. I mean, we found out, we found out when it, after it was too late that Cambridge Analytica was doing data data for Donald Trump at the same time that they were doing it for us. You know, we, we brought them in and they did all this data, really expensive. You know, why, why do you think we had all these great numbers? You know, I'm really good at this, but I was way better than I'm capable in the last election during the, I mean, I think I like called almost every primary state, right? Well, on top of my own abilities, I had access to a lot of that data. And then we found out, you know, after the campaign that Cambridge was actually double dipping and they were, they were helping Trump at the exact same time. Really upstanding individuals. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I think there's a lot of people I think would be Machiavellian enough that sure. weren't weren't outright anti Joe because he's an old white man, but were more than willing once things started to go on south that my job is now to tor- help torpedo yeah, this if, thing. If you can't win, yeah. you aren't going to help me. You're not worth the baggage. And when 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 you see that clip of Talib and Omar and Ocasio-Cortez with Gail King accepting no overtures, no olive branch from Speaker Pelosi whatsoever, but dunking on her still, even after um, she linked arms with them in a form of political fratricide 48 hours ago. Um, that gives you an idea. When, you're, when, you, when you, your entire movement is built around moral relativism, meism, then you're rewarded for this level of Machiavellian behavior. And in fact, it's kind of a, that's kind of your proving ground. That's your Jedi trial. Are you, are you willing or capable of, of this level of subterfuge? Otherwise you, you, you couldn't work here. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's who we are. You know, we're agents of chaos. I mean, you can't come in here and have some honor code. That's not how this works around here. So I, I, with Biden's vulnerability showing more and more by the day, at this point, I think it's just as likely that staffers that are lining up their next gigs are setting them up to fail as they're just really bad at this. I mean, I've used this analogy before. I'll use it again. I go back to 2012 when your guy Rick Santorum said before the Wisconsin primary, I don't know why you guys want to nominate Mitt Romney. He's the only one in our field who cannot win. Um, he gave Barack Obama his worst idea before he had it. And I don't see how he is credibly an alternative for the American people on Obamacare, which is the number one issue that has driven Republicans back into control of Congress. Right. Remember this? Yeah. And a whole bunch of people in, uh, you know, in the, uh, the clicks, what we call now click conservatives or team GOP lost, their, lost their damn minds that St. Torum would, would dare actually say out loud. And of course he was proven exactly right about six months later. I am, con- and then th- now the day after he said this, though he took it all back. Having having been around his campaign and a lot of other campaigns, worked on some, I will guarantee you this is what happened. Several of Santorum's most trusted staffers came to him and advisors, donors, super PAC people, and said, "You can't say that. That's political suicide in the GOP. People want to know in the end that we'll support the nominee no matter what. You'll be out of the race in a day if you keep up with that line of attack." Well, they were right. He was out of the race in about a day. Once he dropped that line of attack, Trump attacked, Trump basically went Bush lied and people died in South Carolina's primary where there is South Carolina per capita has more retired veterans than any state in the union. He won that state going away. He never promised to <laughs> all these loyalty pledges that were going around in the last cycle. You know, he never pledged to support the nominee, no matter who it was. 
he got more votes in a Republican presidential primary than anybody ever has in the entire history of the process. And so I, I, that, what, what that was is some of Santorum's senior staffers who didn't think he could win the nomination, d- d- very concerned that he was going to put himself so far out of the party mainstream that they then couldn't land jobs with Team Romney when Santorum's uh, 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 checks didn't clear anymore. And that's, that's, that's what happens in situations like this. So either you are really bad at this or I see the game. I see what you're doing. Hate the game, not the player. Because he, 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 looks, he looks more out of touch, more ridiculous with every one of these appearances. And then the, the, when he says AOC is smart as hell, the CNN uh, journalist interviewing him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. What? Why? I. I why is Jake Tapper interviewing a racist? Why? He was. Can I answer that? Yes. He was hoping that uh, he would say "rah rah Trump." Or something along those lines. Jake Tapper is, I've said it on the show before, he is firmly and has been living there for a long time, an emperor has no closed territory in terms of being the real journalist amongst, you know, no. He's, he's got a good friend of mine, a lawyer, you and I both know, talked about how many guys in the law profession get away with the young Abe Lincoln look. Mm-hmm. That's him. He like just looks like you dimpled, and he seems good, and he, he he has enough people. He throws enough chum in the water to the other side to make it seem like he's a, that, he's as big of a scam artist out there as anybody in journalism. Man, to, to quote uh, the aforementioned Joe Biden, "Come on, man, come on." The squad continues to talk. I have thoughts. What are they? I, I'm these. These guys are such scam artists. I mean, you, you are AOC was complaining a couple weeks ago that they are being singled out by being treated just like everybody else because they had to do like committee assignments, which everybody has to do. So they're being uh, singled out when they're being treated like everybody else. And now you yourself don't treat yourself like everybody else by actually naming yourself after like a boy band, basically calling yourself the squad. (laughs) And now she's also singling you out when you're doing the same thing, which is just another lesson we've learned within the last 48 hours regarding what was started with talking about Trump. You can't win with these people. Now Chris Pratt is a racist because he wore a t-shirt with a different kind of American flag that is now racist. It's an utter scam. Uh, and uh, New York Times t- is writing today about how we shouldn't really commemorate the 50th anniversary of the lunar landing because it's uh, sexist. Uh, it, yeah. it, was, it was sexist. Yeah, that's in the New York Times today as you speak. So these people, as we were talking about on air, are, uh, are a gift yep. for the moment to those who have been asleep for a long time. While we may have a chance to do something about it, about, they do hate America. 
It's not wrong to point that out. They are revolutionaries. And that term is a neutral term. We think of the American Revolution in good, in good uh, context. They are revolutionaries in the exact opposite sense. They are actively trying to transform the nature of yep. reality as we know it, full stop. What's happened here? You know, there's this woman, and, and I'm sure she's nice who's challenging her now, this Republican Jamaican immigrant who's challenging her, Ocasio-Cortez in her district. Let me just tell you right now, one of the dumbest things you could ever do with your money, if politically, is donate to that Republican woman's campaign. And I'll just, I've never, I don't know her. She might be great on the issues. Here's why. So you're saying sight unseen. Sight unseen. Having never interviewed her, knowing, having no clue where she's at on the issues. Here's why it's a stupid investment. Because... Even if she's as right-wing as you could possibly hope, which I highly doubt given the state we're talking about and the community and the district. Even if she is as right-wing as you could possibly hope, the value of just her one additional vote vis-a-vis the existential enormity of the value of the likes of Ocasio-Cortez, Ilan Omar, Rakita Tlaib, running out of their ivory towers where they have said the stuff you're hearing now in the open, they have been saying to each other in their ivory towers for decades. People like me, shows like this, or when Glenn used to get, you know, just to bust out the chalkboard on Fox News, folks like us tried to warn a lot of people for years that this is where this was going. And we were nuts and we were crazy and you know, Grassley here in Iowa thought I was a nutcase, and so did the Republican governor. And there's probably some truth to that, just not for the reasons that they were <laughs> and I and and you know, I'm gonna people like me are gonna make it that we can't ever unite on anything. Cause you know, Tim Scott wants to have beers with his buddy Cory Booker while he's out there saying you're a bunch of bigots and haters who don't deserve rights. Well, what is happening now is these folks have gotten elected. And they're out of the ivory tower now. And they're totally off script here. You're getting the raw feed. You know, memory is an outstanding Twitter account. All they do is just run the raw feed of what goes on in the Muslim world. What gets served up is news and television and entertainment there. So that you can just see with your own eyes and hear with your own ears the level of of indoctrination anti-Western, anti-Semitic, anti-Christian indoctrination that goes on in the vast majority of those communities in that part of the world. Rakita Tlaib, Ilan Omar, Ocasio-Cortez et al. Are, are serving as a memory of the American left. Everything that they have just kept to themselves. These folks are now that they're elected, they're running to a camera and saying out loud. You didn't even mention Presley when I think was on the yeah, yes. yesterday saying, "This is how you have to be gay. This yes. is how you have to be black." And, and, and how did she, we didn't know? Nobody knew who this woman was nope. two uh, ten days ago. Correct. Now she's in the same group. Why? Because she kind of came over the top rope on him, you know. And and so it, they're putting they're putting the rest of the Democratic Party, the rest of the American left, the Gale Kings of the world, in a very difficult position. Because what they have gotten away with for a long time in politics is what Christians have largely let pagans get away with in the arena of apologetics, which is 
we always are on the defensive. They get to make all, they get to they get to find one obscure passage in the book of Kings where the historicity doesn't line up in from first and second Kings allegedly and use that to say that's why none of the 66 books of the Bible can be believed. Even though if you actually can understand how to interpret Hebrew, it would it, 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 there's not a historic historicity problem there. But that's the sort of things we've let them get away with. Shellfish, Steve. Yeah, and shellfish. Then, yes, and then we go on the defensive, like, well, I don't know how to answer that. Why are you answering it at all? It's an irrelevant question. It's an irrelevant point. Devised, it's, a, it's what we call an argumentation, a red herring. Devised to get you off of topic so that you're not arguing the topic they don't want to go anywhere near. You mean there's a different way to argue than that, yes. Steve? I was convinced. See, we that have done this, we in, we, as Christians, we have done this in the world of apologetics for decades now. We've taken having a ready defense to mean be ready to be on the defensive into perpetuity. And you never get you never get to challenge their assumptions. Where I really saw this was when we were doing the judicial uh, fight over the judges in Iowa. And I had opportunities to interview and be on and be in company with people on the other side of the aisle. And I would ask them, hey, where do you think the law comes from? What do you think the law is? What if the law said... Hey, the Supreme Court said we could kill everybody with your first name. Would you just say, hey, that's the law and we go along? They had no answers to any of these things. And they've never been demanded to ever supply them before. See, that's what's, that's what's happening now here politically. Conservative media made Ocasio-Cortez a household name. Mainly because she was an open socialist. And they just wanted to tag the Democrats with that term because it doesn't pull well. Not really having any idea. Once the, once the lock was picked and the portal was opened, having no real idea how far down the rabbit hole goes, because most of conservative media thinks people like me are crazy too. Well, why aren't we just focused on the jobs report? Why, 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 why are we sitting here talking about all these dreaded social issues? Hey, you know, we should, um, we should select our, our Supreme Court nominees based on what their thoughts are on the Chevron doctrine rather than Roe v. Wade and um, Obergefell uh, kind of opinions, right? That's been what most of the, that's what been what most of my peers have thought about people like me all this time. So they thought they were doing a clever and oh boy, they were. Having no idea that thanks to Tlaib, Omar and Ocasio-Cortez, we are now having all of the worldview conversations that most of conservative media told me we couldn't win if we had these. Don't talk about this stuff. The Republican Party has run away from as fast as it possibly could. And the Democratic Party has always wanted to have, they just wanted to have it in about 20 years once you were softened up enough that you would just go ahead, open your mouth, open wide and say, ah. Because once, once the government check clears, a spoon full of sugar helps the medicine go down. And now they're way off script. They're off schedule. This is all out in the open now. Don't get rid of them. Keep them right where they are. Be far more concerned about why a state like Texas has a tol- total progressive puke like Will Hurd in the U.S. Congress. Find a candidate to oppose him. Don't touch Ocasio-Cortez. Omar, Tlaib. The political value they are providing you, the cultural value, heck, the spiritual value that is being supplied here. Incalculable. The Babylon Bee nailed it yesterday. Trump 2020, just to run unedited footage of these Democrats talking. That's exactly right. And Trump, on a given day, 
who in the hell knows where his worldview is at, but he does know a mark when he sees one. He knows a product that will sell when he sees one. And you know what he sees? You guys don't really want to hear me talk about trade wars with China, but you love hearing me tell these people who hate America to get the hell back on the boat and get the F out of here. You love hearing that. And, 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 while the, and while the Republican consultancy division is cowering or, or actually in silent agreement with much of what they say, frankly, um, Trump is like, well, the trade war product isn't selling, but this one, I can't keep this thing on the shelves. So I'm going to dump Trump wines. I'm going to dump Trump airlines. I'm going to sell real estate. I'm going to sell a re- This is the reality show you want. Okay, I'll happily give it to you. And to make your point, you wrote a column about this and less than 24 hours after it was sent in, it's almost dated in terms of the examples you could use to highlight it even yes. further. They are so vomitous yes. in terms of their doubling down. And, that, and that's, that, it will not change. It will not change. So don't get rid of them. You want those people, they're doing us a tremendous favor. Most of America doesn't want to have to be bothered by this stuff. Which is why the left has had has has taken silence as assent. The the left has done most of this stuff without any to us without any pushback. Judicial fiat, uh, social media mobs, right? Things that you feel like I can't really respond or react back to. I'm defenseless against. Really hard to defend yourself from getting shanked in the side. But when someone's pointing the gun right at your face, you know what to do. And that's what Omar Talib and et al. are doing. Oh, no. Keep them right where they are. The value. Priceless. So... I'm not even going to ask you if you have a stoplight or something like that at your kitchen table because it would be really weird, creepy if you did. That's why no one does. The good news is your creator put one inside your body. Uh, it's a signal that's supposed to go from the gut to the brain to let it know we're full down here. You do your thing now. The metabolism does its thing and we kind of move on. That's, that's how we're supposed to have a natural way of, of uh, you know, regulating our own appetites, cravings, portion sizes, etc. cetera. Uh, unfortunately for too many of us, though, that signal just doesn't work the way it used to. Could be uh, that's the way we were born. It's just we got older. Uh, we abused it, bypassed it so much that the signal just weakened because it was clear you weren't going to listen to it one way or the other. But now if you're trying to get healthy and, and you're still maybe feeling a little bit stymied, not making the progress you're looking for, uh, you can strengthen that signal by putting more of that signal back into your system. That's what Riduzone does. The signal has a long name, but its abbreviation is OEA. That's really all Riduzone is. It's not loaded with chemicals, stimulants, caffeines. All right. So this is just about putting that OEA back in your body to help you regulate your own amount of portion control, which then allows uh, for the environment where your metabolism does what it's supposed to do as well. If you want to give it a shot, use my name, Steve, as a promo code there when you go to the website. They'll give you a special offer. The website is riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. Let's go to our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz is here with us. Daniel, it's good to see you, my friend. How are you? Great to be back, Steve. I'm feisty as always. Wouldn't have it any other way, my friend. You know, before we get to some of the other things I was going to talk to you about, I want to get your take on something we were just discussing before you came on. So I, I, 
I said that I thought the dumbest investment politically as a conservative that you could make in your money. And I'll say this sight unseen, not knowing this woman, never having interviewed her. And even if she's as right wing as you would hope she would be. But this uh, this candidate they've lined up to challenge Ocasio-Cortez there uh, in her Bronx district in New York. Giving to her is the dumbest political investment you can make in 2000 in this cycle. And I said, here's why. Because the value of, of having Tlaib, Ocasio-Cortez, Presley, Omar, off script, off schedule, saying out loud and in public what they have been saying amongst one another in their hallowed halls and academia, uh, um, you know, in their media enclaves, but in ways that a lot of mainstream America can ch- willfully choose to ignore because we just are passively aggressive. They're putting all this stuff out in the open. Heck, they're, I think conservative media, when they made Ocasio-Cortez a thing, just <clears> thought <throat> they were slapping the name socialist on Democrats for a funny ha-ha, own the libs, not even fully understanding the, the worldview uh, depth of hell that was about to to be fully exposed by making these giving these people a platform the value of having them there for people like us incalculable they don't let anybody hide they don't let them get away with any of their code words they bring them all out in the open be far more concerned with why a progressive puke like will Hurd is representing a congressional district in texas spend your money on getting rid of a hack like that believe those leftists in those districts, leave them right where they're at because they force us to come to grips with what is truly the spirit of the age. What's your take on that? But, but Steve, your playing field and therefore your end zone is a conservative policy outcome, and, and that's why what you're saying would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with Teletubbies. Now, in the land of the Teletubbies, the unicell organisms that occupy the space of uh, con- the conservative intellectual thought these days – they don't know how to wipe their rear ends without the Democrats. So everything's a Democrat. So you could have a bunch of leftist, subversive, perfidist punks in your own party that you have the ability with your own funding and your own messaging to get rid of them in primaries and then sustain and hold that seat in the general election. There's about 10 of these guys up just in the Senate in Trump-carried states and, and you know Tillis and McConnell and Graham and Cornyn and on and on we can go, and then certainly certain open seats that are important, that are going to have important battles. Not a word. The, the unicell organisms don't know anything about that because they didn't, they didn't see it on the news. So they'll only focus on, 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 on the left. Um, but it's worse than that, Steve. Rather than using AOC and the Hamas caucus to drive a wedge between the Democrats and the American people and then forge your plan and your messaging, they're actually agreeing with AOC. So all of the Teletubby Republicans now are all in sync with AOC's messaging on the border. I mean, it's all about, yeah, uh, uh, the detention, the facilities, uh, uh, what's good for them, uh, uh, how, much, uh, how much money are we going to spend on them? Nothing on what matters to the American people and what the American people care about. So yeah, I mean, th- I-, I think you're right. This is the quintessential example of what we're up against in the pseudo-conservative movement. Hmm. So let's let's talk about the events of the last few days. So so the weekend began and you know you would have been on on Sabbath. So you missed a good portion of this. So from from Friday night to Saturday night the Democratic Party chose to wage open warfare against the squad or whatever the suicide squad whatever we're calling them, okay? Uh in in the most public 
embarrassing fashion possible. Uh, it was a it was a it was a stunning, glorious implosion that was going on here. And I and my own theory is, you know, Frank Luntz at Fox News leaked some poll numbers on Friday, some internal Democratic poll numbers that showed, contrary to the Pew Research survey several months ago, that showed only white people on Twitter know who Ocasio Cortez is. That about seventy five percent of Democrat uh, sw- or swing voters, Democrats have to target know who she is, and only twenty two percent of them like her. More than one in two of those swing voters know who Ilan Omar is, and only nine percent of them like her. And and so I don't think it's a coincidence that right after that polling data comes public, that evening the Democratic Party finally decided, you know what, we got to have some level of adulting, whatever we call adulting around here has to take place there must be some discipline these these kids are killing us and so they're they're waging open war with each other on social media now by the time you return from the sabbath donald trump got up sunday morning and was like screw that noise you guys aren't talking about me i gotta inject myself into this all right and so he makes himself the story and and now the whole debate becomes is he a racist that's what we woke up to on monday morning when we did this show we all predicted on monday on monday morning's program We weren't even going to deal with the substance of what Trump said because it was irrelevant because by the close of business, it was going to prompt the Democrats to do something nuts and crazy, which made this entire debate about Donald Trump utterly an irrelevant prospect. Sure enough, four o'clock Eastern that afternoon, the squad has a press conference. Uh, their, their friends in the media gave them 45 unfettered minutes to tell us why they hated America. Thus, Thus, thus proving whatever point or whatever point, I don't know what Trump was trying to make, but whatever point it was, it certainly seemed like they made it even better than he did. And now he recognizes, hey, I got a winner here. I got a live one here. I'm not going to stop selling a product that people are buying. So he's doubling down, tripling down, quintupling down. They won't shut up. They were on with Gail King yesterday, bitching about still Nancy Pelosi's not racially sensitive enough after she was wrapping her arms around him on Monday and calling Trump a racist in Congress yesterday and getting ruled out of order. They reward her with, well, she's still not sensitive enough to our needs. She's literally she's literally stabbing herself with shards of glass on the House floor. Literally. All right. Bleeding out. And they go on CBS News this morning. She, she really just isn't sensitive enough. I said yesterday, and, and, and now this is strictly a political take. I'm not saying it's good for us as a movement or gets us any policy outcomes. That's a separate conversation. At this point, unless there's a recession, I, I don't see how Donald Trump loses to these people. Your thoughts on that, Daniel? Steve, I mean, I, I agree with that, but I have a little different focus on this. To me, the focus is you talked about a political investment. Every single prominent Republican and most of the prominent. I really got to be careful. I don't use certain language here, but um, uh, conservative uh, Teletubby media commentators have expended the entirety of their political capital for a woman with a nine percent approval rating who is hated by everyone who. um literally in the context of immigration and feeling welcome, said Jews are, aren't loyal. She engaged in marriage and immigration fraud by the evidence presented by the Star Tribune in her hometown, which would ironically, if at the right timeline, is proven with the preponderance of evidence in a court case, would make her eligible for denaturalization and make her a deportable alien, and she could actually go back to her home country. And yet they expend that entire time when they could be holding press conferences on ICE being in mortal danger, almost blown up an entire facility by an Antifa guy. 
with this 22 MS-13 animals that just recently came in the country and resettled as UACs um, were indicted for butchering and cutting out hearts in what the U.S. attorney called medieval crimes. Nothing. Not a word on that. Everyone has to come out and say, I'm a good person. No, 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 no. Trump is a racist. These people are mentally retarded. Their, their political thermometer is like a thermometer when the sun shines on it and it's just totally out of whack. They just they will take a 99-1 issue that, that goes against the Democrats and they'll be like, they got us. Oh, my God. We're, it's over. I mean – it is. It boggles the mind. I don't know, Steve, if you saw the Axis article this week, which I believe is the most important article of the entire year, that had a focus group of swing voters in Michigan I who were either, yeah. yeah, either Obama, Trump, or Romney, Hillary, and the stuff they said were to the right of of the Heritage Foundation, of 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 Brand of Breitbart on on immigration. They were like, someone could just come and. Bop out an anchor baby. How did two illegals make a citizen? Um, why are we spending any money on them? Don't we just aren't we supposed to care about Americans? I mean, this was common sense, but this is stuff that some of our colleagues can't even say or won't even say. They live in such a bubble they don't understand that Twitter ain't America. Hmm. So, so what happens? What happens here? Because when you look at Trump's presidency, there's an interesting dichotomy, which is he has he has shown either no ability and or no interest in fighting back against that bubble uh, when he's in office. When he gets outside of his office, though, um, he pushes back on it masterfully, and it almost always works out, no matter how clumsily or... Uh, cringe-inducing, he may phrase certain things. Um, it almost always seems to work out for him. Yet he, there's very little follow-through when he gets back in the Oval Office when it comes to policy. So there, there seems to be a dualistic aspect to the outcomes here, meaning most of what he does in the election next year in the campaign will be the stuff that he does effectively outside of the bubble, right? Like provoking them as he has in the last couple of days and They've taken all the bait and and probably gone even further than he even thought in his mind, you know, was even possible. But then there becomes the reality of, okay, um, what are we going to then do about this? Because as effective as he has been in provoking them, as is as ineffective as he has been in moving the party he allegedly represents. So what's the outcome there for the average American, do you think? The outcome is that until and unless... We apply Newton's laws of motion, and we apply an equal and opposing force to what remains stagnant. It will continue the way it is. It will continue in the motion. In other words, the more extreme the Democrats get, the more Trump will react to it. The more the policy outcomes because of the courts, because of the a-holes around Trump in the administration, because of the Teletubbies in Congress and in at Fox News will continue being to the left, but still because of AOC and these guys, they'll create enough space that is still worse if you're a Democrat and rinse and repeat. And we're going to continue this nonsense. I mean, that is the question I keep asking. So in other it's words, so, we, we, yeah. we own the libs. We own the libs while they're owning 
um, the direction of the country, essentially. Is that what I hear you saying? We're, we're owning their policies. But because they have an extra layer, they allow us to own that much. So reparations. So McConnell is not quite yet at reparations, but he is at everything in the racial agenda until then. So, I mean, that's that's how they keep moving the Overton window. The Overton window keeps getting moved, meaning really we should stop the invasion and we should be, you know, have legislation to, to deal with that. But what the Democrats did is they created a bill to go backwards and stop even the stuff we're already doing, like end all deportations. So now – with this budget bill, they're going to give the Democrats the debt ceiling. They're going to give them the budget caps. They're not going to do a single thing on immigration. But the House wanted to end all deportations, and the courts are ending most of them anyway, but we didn't pass that, so the Democrats lost. I mean, this is how they effectively use it, and it's so sad because it doesn't have to be this way. The people are with us. Um, the president is willing to do this if if we would direct him, um, but he's not going to lead it on his own. He'll fall to the swamp. If uh, if you don't apply that outside outside pressure and uh, that's the problem that that this is why I think it has never been more consequential than it is today. The fact that we lack a coherent movement that wakes up every day with a sense of mission, a sense of uh, mission. Hmm. Daniel Horowitz, uh, thank you for bringing the uh, woe and lamentation yet again here uh, to Blaze TV this week. Always good to see you, my friend. God bless. Take care. Take care. God bless. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts on what we just heard from Daniel Horowitz? Well, that last part, we the, this is how it is, but it doesn't have to be this way. You tweeted something at somebody later that what, what are our alternatives and it's revival or bust. Daniel comes from a different theological perspective than us, but is it, it, when it's when when you have an issue like that that it so obviously doesn't have to be this way, but it seems impossible for it to be otherwise. Yeah, you're. What else do you have but spiritual intervention? Because there's, we have no platform. There, there's no, there are, there is no means for us to take what we believe and alter public policy with it. There, there really isn't. Um, well, you know what? Let me make sure I'm exactly accurate. There is one. The only one is you vote Republican to get better judicial nominees because that's where policies are really made and determined. And so you vote Republican to get better judicial nominees than the communists. And then you just kind of hope that what they put up there will actually hold back, undo the new stuff that the Democrats want to do without ever attacking the old stuff they already did. And, you know, and so, you know, you have a couple of fairly reliables like right now in Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. I think Gorsuch is fairly reliable. I haven't agreed with him on everything. Reliable doesn't mean agreement. Okay. I haven't agreed with Samuel Alito on everything. Okay. But those three are fairly reliable. I tend to agree a lot with Clarence Thomas. Alito and Gorsuch are fairly reliable. All right. Um, and then you have you have Kavanaugh, who will be to the left of Roberts. He's already signaling that. And, and Roberts, who has moved increasingly more to the left as the years have gone on, beginning with him single-handedly saving Obama, Obamacare twice. And there are your two Anthony Kennedys. You know, they're the flip a coin vote. And then, then everybody else is always a no, unless it's something so obvious, like a hundred-year cross that needs to be taken down for reasons only a law knows. And they kind of vote with you on that after they've unleashed everything, though, that would allow the left to think they could take that cross down after a hundred years, right? And, and that's, that's your only plat that is your only platform at the moment. All right? That's it. You have no other platform to affect policy change other than that, unless you can convince Donald Trump to use the power and trappings of his office 
to push back against the system. And that's why I was so crushed, crushed last week when I really yeah. thought he was going to say no to the courts. And then in the end, he didn't back down. Yeah. And that's really incredibly frustrating for the reason as well that, um, you know, the, the courts, all it takes, if you look at our conservative legal community, the thumbsuckers, it only takes one bad or one rotten judge, even if you have 999 good judges. Because of the way our conservative universal legal, injunctions, yes, yeah. Because of the way our conservative legal theory uh, works, it only takes one bad judge, and we're screwed. So it's really not. It's a false platform. It's like, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's 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 not really a, a platform. I mean, it's a hope. That's basically. I all mean, lower it is. courts are right now ignoring Supreme Court precedent. I mean, forget you know caring what you think. I mean. They're ignoring their own jurisprudence. They're, they're literally bypassing Supreme Court precedent to continue to um, paralyze the Trump presidency in ways already the Supreme Court has sided with the president on. They're violating their own chain of command. So that goes to what you were just saying. Yeah. You know, it, it, and when you have one branch of government that has been given ultimate power and has almost no accountability whatsoever... What did we think was going to happen when we assented to that? Well, pretty much exactly what's occurring right now. We'll come back. Hour number two, we're going to play our game of buy, sell, or hold. Who knows what cornucopia of topics you will ask us to comment on when we return. Live and on demand on The Blaze next. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on The Blaze, 888-900-3393 is the number. I'm Steve Dace, Totters, and Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, and the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Well, I'm not even going to hesitate. Because I've been looking forward to this, haven't done this in a couple of weeks. We were on uh, the holiday break, and then last Wednesday, I took my first real sick day in a few years with a little stomach bug. So I have been away from Buy, Sell, or Hold, one of our more popular portions of the show each week here, for far too long. Here's how this works. Our producer, Aaron, usually supplied by you, the audience, will propose to us uh, several uh, statements propositions, predictions. Todd and I will decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Uh, maybe even if you're lucky, we'll come up with a good reason why. Um, maybe if you're lucky, I'll only come up with one good reason why. I tend to come up about nine. Uh, and and then once per show, we're permitted a hold, meaning uh, that that what you're asking us to to comment on or pronounce a verdict upon is, is of such... Uh, a banal, banal, vapid, vapid variety that, that even with our mediocre brain power, we, we simply couldn't, as Ilan Omar recently said when asked, are you in favor of Al-Qaeda? I won't even dignify that with an answer. Right? Now, if we use it for any other means, though, then you are punking out and the dude code calls for you to be scorned, mocked, and perhaps even flogged. Aaron, the floor is now yours. I should uh, take this opportunity to let everyone know that we do have a list coming up on today's buy, sell, or hold. 
It has to do with uh, one of Steve's favorite bands. I will leave it at that. We'll start, though, Don't. with Chuck Gregory. Uh, really? I, he's so happy to be back. I couldn't wait. I missed it for two weeks. Yep. Nope. And here comes a, I, Aaron. Well played. We, we well doing played. this. We doing this. Yep. Uh, we'll start with Chuck Gregory, though. <laughs> Robert Mueller's upcoming congressional testimony has a surprisingly short life cycle in the news. So many other dumpster fires that will suck up energy of news outlets. So I would have absolutely bought this 72 hours ago. But I, I could see we're kind of back to where we were when we pointed this out a couple of months ago. If they don't talk about Mueller on the left, what else are they going to talk about? Ilan Omar's anti-Semitism. Exactly. Every issue, every other issue, unless the economy tanks, they're outside of the American mainstream on every other issue. Now, if the economy tanks, two things happens. One, people tend to get mad at who's in power when the economy tanks. And then two, it gives them a, a, a license to play their, their classic, um, you know, sustainable class warfare game. Okay. Gives them the chance to say, well, you know, Trump's tax cuts only help corporations in the 1%. And, and that's why the economy's tanking. All right. They'll get, that gives them room to say all those things. But without a foil like uh, like the economy in recession, they are left to defend, uh, you know, in a neutral environment, their own economic beliefs, which are outside of you know how the planet works. And so people won't glom onto that unless they ideologically are of, of the same ilk. So what else would they talk about, especially in light of what's going on right now? You know, I mean, I, I could see Robert Mueller. Remember when we had albums? Um, vinyl's kind of making a comeback, but remember we had those record players back in the day, Todd, had the 33, 45, yes. 78, right? And you and your buddies, for fun, would put a record on and put it on a 78 yes. speed to slow it down, right? Yeah. I, I could see Robert Mueller getting questions like that. Whatever it takes to drag this out, whatever it takes to keep him up there, to keep... To give them some content to feed other than maybe now, maybe now that we let we let ourselves get annihilated in public defending you, uh, uh, sisters of the squadron, you'll be nice and be teammates. And then this morning with Gail King, they're like, well, you're still not racially sensitive. Anything to get beyond this. I, I could see them dragging this thing out. Yeah, it's like Pinoc appointing an independent counsel to investigate Pino Robert yeah. Mueller. Uh, it's like Pinocchio and Shrek. It wouldn't be inaccurate to assume that I couldn't exactly not say that it isn't or isn't almost partially cor correct. Yeah, I, I, I get where Chuck is coming from, but man, they, they need a talking point right now that doesn't include the names Omar, Presley, uh, at all. And they need Robert. Friday can't get here fast enough, so I'm going to sell. You make a strong case, but I'm going to buy because okay. we've seen a preview of this where Mueller came out and then he came out again. And the way he parses things and talks about things, it, he's going to have to flat out be disgusted with his previous self over how many years and just flat out go Colonel Jessup and say, you're damn right. I ordered the code red and and just not no winking and nodding, just flat out say you people, I how many crumbs do I have to give you? Of course, this man should hang. He, other than that, I think he's shown you that he's he's going to continue to be Robert Mueller, and it, it's it's going to be so vexing uh, a problem for them to solve that it's just not going to be able to go anywhere. 
All right. Jason says Trump's submission to the courts and overall inaction on the border has been such a failure in the dude code that Lindsey Graham's T-level should be removed from the basement as a standard Dace Group measurement. I like where you're going with this, Jason. Tough but, but fair. Yeah, tough but fair, but I'm going to sell and here's why. Because the number that you think you can get to to get below Lindsey Graham's T-level. This is science, man. Yes. Without... <laughs> hey, man. You're picking him up. I'm laying him down. All right? The number you have to get to isn't even close to attainable until you are literally in the midst of having your testicles removed during a, a reassignment surgery. And then almost really not until it's total completion. In fact, it might even take a few days after it's happened for the residual testosterone to work its way out. And then maybe, perhaps you will reach Lindsey Graham's pathetic T-level. So I, I'm, I'm with you on being disappointed at Trump's inaction on these topics. Obviously, if you uh, listen to this show on a regular basis, you're aware of that. But let's not go crazy here. All right, let's, let's have a little perspective. Todd, your thoughts? The voice in the back of my head right now is uh, Christopher Pike to a young uh, Captain Kirk. I dare you to do better than that. And I can't. So I'm what he said. All right. Todd Saffel says, in honor of the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, at least one major news source runs a story this weekend attacking the U.S. for its environmental damage of the moon. Bye. Yep. We're already, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's already, Wednesday this was, this was yeah. hetero, the, Yes, yeah. it, it's already the lunar landing was the heteronormative patriarchy in the yep. pages yeah. of the New York Times. That yep. happened. Okay. Yep. So that, that, that happened. Easiest buy. One of the easiest buys. Wait, can I make a connection between this and what we were talking about earlier in the show? Just to make it, I think this is an important point for our audience to understand. The, the op-ed writers at the New York Times thought when we celebrated the 40th and 30th anniversary of the lunar landing that it was the heteronormative patriarchy too. They just would have never put it under their masthead because they still thought they had to, they had to with that, with the, with the responsibility of the legacy of, 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 of that brand, they had to show some modicum of regard for Americana. So they were all saying this to each other in their newsrooms privately. But they would never, like, publish it. They needed, like, Mother Jones and places like that. Or Vox nowadays, or Salon. They needed those places to do it for them. And they were all reading that in their newsrooms and, and nodding their heads and agreeing. Yes, this is a terrible thing that we went to the moon. I mean, th for, without women. I mean, by the way, for in me. 1969, do you know how many women could have qualified for that? Because... A lot of the best men we had in fighter jets making bombing runs in Tokyo and on the Korean Peninsula couldn't finish that program. All right. But that, you know, we're not supposed to talk about that because men and women are the same, apparently. No, they're not. Right. But that aside, they, they wouldn't have said this before. They would have let some other lefty blog say it, which they all would have shared and talked about, or Lefty Magazine, but they wouldn't have put it in the headline of the New York Times with, under that brand because they still felt it carried some legacy. They had to wink at you that they still had some Americana left in them. This is what we mean by these new leftists are bringing all of this now out into the open. 
all of the winking and nodding is gone. All of the camo is gone. All of the code language is gone. We're, we're beyond how's my gay marriage going impact, to impact your marriage to I will end your marriage if it's not gay. And that's my next op-ed in the New York Times. So the line of demarcation between the Washington Post, the New York Times, broadcast television, and, and the lefty base blogosphere nowadays, magazine writers, feature writers in the 80s and 90s, there used to be uh, some distance there. That's all gone now. It's all gone now. No more, no more problematic preening. You yes, know, it's it's all hit me, Karl Marx. Right. Yes. Here. Ten years ago, it was Mother Jones writing that 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 they won't celebrate the lunar landings anniversary and the 40th anniversary because it's uh, it was a it was a it it, it it was the affirmation of the heteronormative patriarchy. Nowadays, the New York Times writes it. This is an example right now going on in real time as we speak of what we were just talking about last hour. All of the old restraints are gone now. Everything now is out in the open and they're perfectly fine. You know, you saw some of the opening salvos with the Washington Post running an op-ed on Christmas Day claiming Jesus never existed. Do you know how many historians and archaeologists believe Jesus never existed? Like none of them. Like, literally none. The crack-smoking ones. Yeah, like, like people who hate Christianity and think it's a total fraud. Like, none of them. Because the evidence of his historical existence is so overwhelming that they recognize we would have to bark at the moon to believe this person never existed. And yet the Washington Post ran a column on Christmas Day last Christmas saying that he didn't. Those are examples happening now where they're now letting you know, we hate America, we're invading you, we don't plan on sharing this space with you. This is a worldview cage match. Two men enter, well, uh, two non-gender conforming beings of some questionable naturalistic origin of random processes enter, and only one of them shall leave. They're letting you know that now. Do you want to add to that? Well, and furthermore, the very people who think this nonsense and write this nonsense and publish this nonsense just a couple years ago would have been celebrating, and rightly so for the wrong reasons, but it's great, the movie Hidden Figures, which <laughs> yes. coincidentally was about black women. The, the cause of getting to the moon was so important that the opposite of what you're saying tremendous happened. Tremendous movie, by the, the way. They, it's a tremendous movie. They set aside all the dumb barriers and said, God, everybody on the team, it's that important. God bless you and the gifts God gave you. Please help us do this. And they did. It's an amazing real life story that now you have just decided to ignore because it doesn't fit your ironically flat earth definition of what uh, reality and science is. Yep. Uh, moving on, Jacob Arthur says, does anybody know, really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? It's funny, I was walking down the street one day uh, uh, thinking about this, and I thought this would make a great song. William Ward says, after she fails to fall in line with the radicals to impeach Trump, the not-so-fab four call for a vote of no confidence in Speaker Pelosi. Eric Swalwell will litter play uh, Jar Jar Binks, giving uh, them emergency powers. <laughs> Bye. I'm predicting something. Bye I predicted a long time ago. I don't even, I don't know, yes, you even know if this... Yeah, you did. That Pelosi was going to be out, and um, I, I think it's even more likely now. I, I mean, we're, we're heading down that road right now. I mean, the... I don't think you can, the culture of that place, the political capital 
that Nancy Pelosi and the and the Democrats version of a mainstream party expended these last couple of days to defend those those leftists and wrap their arms around them 10 minutes after they were attempting to spank them and put them in their place. The amount of capital that they expended in order to close ranks and defend their own is pretty substantial. And and for those for those leftists to appear on essentially what in an interview where they're essentially being interviewed by Gail King who's might as well you know be a, the communications director for the Democratic National Committee. And if you watch the interview clip that Aaron played in the montage, she's almost pleading with them to to be reasonable. To to hey, you know, mom and dad went to bat for you. You got to clean your room now, right? You got to, you know, get your algebra scores up, right? That's kind of what she's saying in this interview. And they are having none of it. There's no quid pro quo. No restraint, no esprit de corps. In fact, it's remember at the State of the Union when they all wore their, you know, Handmaid's Tales uh, outfits and they got and the only time they got up to clap is when Trump mentioned uh, the record number of women that got elected in the last year. They got to clap for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And just the amount of ego narcissism we have arrived uh, that you the the way they behave that entire evening. You guys remember that? Yeah. That's what you see in the video that is in Aaron's montage. They don't find it gracious that Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic leadership did this on their behalf. They believe this is owed to them. Yeah. And and so I I don't think any esprit de corps. In, if anything, they're emboldened. They're emboldened mm-hmm. that, you know what, you guys were going to spank us ten minutes ago and send us to the kitty table. And now we've got most favored nation status. Why why would we clean our rooms now? Why 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 would we worry about our algebra scores now? You made me my favorite dinner. You took me to ice cream afterwards. What's my incentive now that I have got received what I wanted? What's my incentive now to give you what you want? Answer, none. So I, I, I think I will absolutely buy this. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one from Capitano Bicano. I'm going to rephrase it. Uh, no matter what happens, Pete Buttigieg will be the VP nominee just so there is a debate between him and Mike Pence. Oh, I'm going to sell. I wouldn't be that. So sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think there's any chance he's the VP nominee. 0.0.0. Todd will disagree vehemently, but it's, it's 0.0.000. No chance. Well, I will buy because of that disagreement, even if it's only 5%, because there's a chance. Yeah, I think there is a chance. Uh, Paul Howard says, next year, both party conventions will see 1968-style violence and riots, riots by Antifa and other violent leftists. Buy. Sell. Hmm. I think we said that in 2016. I, I, I think the Democrats will. Yeah. What, what's going to be, who's going to show up at, a, who, who are, a, a lot of folks going to show up at the Republican convention with guns or gun owners. So I, I don't, th- these are these are punk white kids programmed, indoctrinated with white leftist progressive guilt. They're, these aren't, they're not the, these aren't real Che Guevarians. They're caricatures. Remember there was a, there was a case 10 or 15 years ago 
about um, the white girls. Maybe it was less than that. The white girls who ran off to join the Taliban or something. Do you remember Al-Qaeda? Do you remember that story? Okay. Yes, I do. That, that's, that's what this is. Now, now, let me stop right there. I am not saying not to take, not to take them seriously in their current format. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is to, to understand there's a reason why they're beating up a five foot six inch Asian gay man who's sitting there taking photos of them, Andy No, and they're not marching on your gun show down there in Alabama. Okay? They're not gonna they're not gonna do that. Because um they're spoiled brats. These are a bunch of white spoiled brats that won't step to people who are probably actively caring in many cases. Now, that's the one part I, I want to just have at least get your answer on, because doesn't that basically also describe the people in 1968? I, they were the same yeah. kind of people. Which is why they went to the, which, that's why they went to the Democratic Convention in Chicago. Yeah. But yeah. so that's so, so I don't think they both will. I think you'll see that at the Democratic Convention. Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, well, um, depending on who the nominee is, if the nominee is like a Joe Biden. Yeah, I do. If it's like a Kamala Harris or something like that, I I could, I could see them making some 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 of, of of show of force, but not acting out because they'll probably view that somebody sympathetic to their cause and plight is is now the nominee. You know the 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 reason you had the violence you had in 1968 is the Democrats were going to nominate Hubert Humphrey. He of the uh, the artist formerly known as the Hubert H Humphrey Dome. Hubert Humphrey would be like, um. He'd have like a higher liberty score than all but like four Republicans in the U.S. Senate right now if he were alive today. Totally different era. That's what they were pissed about. They were pissed that the Democrats, after, you know, freaked out because they had just gone with George Wallace and his antics. And, and now you've got the new left and the summer of love emerging. And so they, they're, 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 they're trying to nominate a mainstream candidate. And that was a very close election between Richard Nixon and Hubert Humphrey. So that's what that was about. That was a show of force of intimidation. Hey, you're not going to nominate a guy from the old Democratic Party. We're the new left here. We're the Weathermen. We're Ramparts Magazine. You know, we're, we're, we're the counterculture. That's why, they wasn't, that's why they didn't riot at the 72 Democratic Convention. Why? Because they got their way. George McGovern was the nominee. One of their people from, from their base. So I think it kind of depends. I don't think you'll see it at the Republican Convention. Because too many all will just start shooting. You know, I mean, we, there's a reason why, you know, um, we call them crazy, but they're not so crazy that they never seem to storm into gun, gun shows and open fire. They always seem to go to the places where the guns are disallowed and start firing there, these mass shooters, right? Okay. I don't think, the, I don't think you'll see it at the GOP convention. I think you'll see it at, you may see it at the Democratic convention, depending on who the nominee is. Here's the thing, that to the extent that the people who show up to these things are useful idiots who can be pushed into certain situations for a larger white paper narrative, they, they there's people who want the shooting to happen that oh, you're talking that. about. I, I agree with that. The true revolutionaries do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think the Antifa people are the useful idiots. Okay. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. The reality is that it would it, having a bunch of having a spoiled white brat get shot to death 
at a GOP convention by a Republican gun holder who's defending an old lady from, you know, getting caned by a mob of, of spoiled white progressives. If that were to happen, there's no point having the rest of the election. You're just counting how many votes Donald Trump is going to win by in that scenario. It, that doesn't help him. If Antifa Even if were that's black, true, I don't think they understand uh, that. If, uh, oh, I think, it, why? of course they understand that. They're not marching and down. They're not marching through. Hey, have they have they marched? Have they have they marched through Biloxi, Mississippi yet? They marching through the streets of uh, you know Plano, Texas. Oh, I think they absolutely understand that. I think that's why you see them where you largely see them. I think they are a. I, I'm not saying not to take them seriously. I'm saying don't take them more seriously than they deserve to be taken. That's all. All right, let's do a couple of sports ones real quick. Uh, Christian says Raiders make the playoffs. The Chiefs miss it due to the Madden curse impacting Mahomes. Uh, sell on sell. sell. sell on I, I could see this, the latter happening because I'm a firm believer in the Madden curse because I believe in trends and data. And that one is one of the absolute greatest trends of all time uh, that's gone on now for almost 20 years. So I could see the latter happening. Um, but I don't. I, I think the Raiders still, I like what they did this offseason. I like the culture they're building in the draft. But I think they're still at least a season away. I, I think they're building for the year they moved to Vegas to try to make a big splash that season. I'm I'm not trying to be an ass and, and putting you on the spot here, Steve. As I proceed to Thank you, uh, Kamala yeah. Harris. I'm yeah. not saying you're a racist, but yeah. <laughs> don't you have the Chiefs picking thirty first in the draft? No, my in the college football preview? Yep. I went by the Vegas over under win totals. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't even done it. I, at the NFL, I will do... My the, attempt to uh, pull your pants down I know. just blew up in my Well, that's face. okay. I, you know, this ain't my first rodeo. I get it. The, the young buck's got to you know try to make his bones off the guy who's established. I get it. I'm ready for you. I see you coming. Someday you'll get me, but today's not yet that day. Keep practicing. But um, the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Was so, that arrogant enough? Was that snotty enough? Aaron's about to I can try harder. Aaron's about to reset the Peter peanut butter cup <laughs> debate. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I don't do NFL picks until after the preseason, and here's why. That's right. In college football, we don't have preseason games. So I'm not as much worried about, well, let me pick uh, Alabama to win it all. And then Tua Tagovailoa blows out his knee in the second preseason game against uh, Oxford Prep. And now their season's over, right? Okay. So um, if, if, if what, what happens if Pat Mahomes blows out a knee week three of the preseason? What happens to the Chiefs season? Uh, it um, it goes nowhere. It's over. It's backwards. And, and that's yeah. true of Negative almost integers. every team in the NFL. By the way, there's almost no backup quarterbacks that matter and, and that are any good in this con- in this in this league anymore. So I like to wait until we get through the preseason and, and see how because I the the talent gap in the NFL is much more narrow. Yeah. Than it is than it is uh, in college football, and so, so injuries yeah. injuries and attrition make a huge amount of difference. So I wait till we get through the preseason because I want to know who's actually going to be on your roster. You know, there'll be a couple of guys in college football that'll get hurt. You know, we already heard about the Central Florida quarterback who's hurt, but they have the Notre Dame transfer coming in to take his place. But there will be several major names in the NFL. Key, a key left tackle, a shutdown corner, a pass rusher, they're going to get blown out because we have this debate every year about the preseason. Why do we have these preseason games? Guys get hurt. They're meaningless, right? I want to see who those guys are and what their impact is before I pick in the NFL. All right. Uh, this one's just for Steve. It's from the inexorable Pat Gray, host of Pat Gray Unleashed. He says, the BYU Cougars will win 10 games. 
Um, so I think the schedule is way too hard. Uh, the opening game against Utah, I've got Alabama Utah. Too, I think Utah is going to win the Pac-12 in my preview. I have Utah going to the Rose Bowl. Um, I, I so I think they lose the game, the opener to Utah. Uh, they you have a road game at Tennessee. I think I I could see them getting back to bowl eligibility. The numbers say BYU is a better team than their record last year, so that usually indicates improvement the following season. So I, I could see them getting back to bowl eligibility. I think I have them predicted for bowl eligibility in my magazine, but I don't think they can. I don't think they can get that kind of an improvement schedule is too hard. They, they need to join a conference yep. they're, they're, What's happening now is their schedule is so front loaded in many of these years to, to, you know, to get a good non-conference mm-hmm. game that you're starting, you know, one in three, two and four. And that really puts you behind the eight ball the rest of the year. You know, a couple of years ago with, with, uh, with Taysom Hill, they started like that and had, and, and finished the year strong. And that was great. But most years when you start out like that, where you're playing all these tough teams at the beginning of the season, it, it kind of grates on you and it really wears down your depth. They need to join a conference. Yeah. And that's the problem. It seems like finding one of those, uh, moving on. We'll do a few more of these before we get to our list. So fresh. So face says failure is an option and it's the only way to save us at this point. Meaning that um, America or our system failing. That's how I took it anyway. If, if you're saying that human nature tends not to do what, what needs to be done to correct a situation until no other options are on the table except what needs to be done, that as sons and daughters of Adam, we will, we will passively watch our mate eat of the apple Rather than doing proactively what we're called to do, I is the 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 arc of history even is, is says that even it was true with our founders they put up with years of tyranny and oppression from King George. Before, how many envoys meetings? How many times did they go across the the channel, the pond? Can we work this out? Only finally, when there was no other recourse other than complete and total servitude to a mad king. Did they finally find the resolve to do what must be done? And then that was by one vote, Caesar Rodney's. So, th- you know, that's that's the arc of history. That tends to be true. Yeah, I'll buy in that spirit. Uh, let's see. One more real quick. AOC and company f- officially joined, uh, formed the Hamas caucus within the next six months. It's not going to be called that, yeah, but I can buy that. It already is that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I it, could see it called the Palestinian Liberation yep. Con- Conference um, or, or some justice, but... It effectively will be that. Yes. I don't think they'll slap that name no. on it. No, but it will effectively be that. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll buy the spirit yes. of yep. what you're posting for sure. Yeah. Yep. Hey, if you're one of millions of Americans struggling with daily pain that comes from inflammation, take my advice and use Relief Factor. I use this product on a daily basis. I absolutely love it. I mean, it, it's been life changing. All right, and what I love about it, it's 100% drug free, even though it's prescribed by doctors who can prescribe drugs. It's got four key natural ingredients to unlock your body's God-given healing powers to push back against inflammation. Try it for a dollar a day for three weeks, 20 bucks. Go to relieffactor.com and get the starter kit. You've got nothing to lose except maybe finally, hopefully the pain. Again, I love this product. The starter kit for a dollar a day for three weeks at relieffactor.com. More in a moment.
Hey, the good news is real estate market is booming right now, but the bad news is that that creates an opening for people to take advantage of you. That's why you want a real estate agent that you can trust. That's why you want to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a company that Glenn Beck and some of his associates started several years ago because they too had run into way too many real estate agents who talked a good game, made a lot of promises they then wouldn't keep or couldn't keep when they were needed the most. And they learned the hard way that you're looking for three main things if you want to have a real estate agent that you can trust. Number one, a track record of success that that you can verify. Number two, uh, somebody who follows up with the algorithms and the formulas, but studies the outliers as well. I mean, we're, you know, uh, the market is more than an algorithm. There's always outliers to every formula and algorithm. All right. And so that's where your real money is made. A lot of people can just read a data sheet and say, hey, yeah, that's, we'll just follow the math. But, you know, when there are exceptions to the math, that's where real money can be made or lost. All right. And then thirdly, the most basic one, I mean, is this person somebody to get along with that returns your calls, that has an, a, a plan other than let's just have another open house because you're going to be working very closely together. So if that rapport is not there, the likelihood that this will be successful for you goes down. So if you want a real estate agent that checks all three of those boxes right now, you want to go to this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, back to buy, sell, or hold. Here's Aaron. Well, I teased this earlier. It is time for another list. And this oh, time, no. Oh, no. this time we're going to be concentrating on one of the, if not the, I think it is the Favorite uh, band of one, Steve Dace. Now, this weekend, I saw the movie yesterday, which is a fantastic film. I love and, the movie. Yeah. And uh, it really actually made me... I, I couldn't... Like, I liked some of the Beatles' uh, top hits, but uh, I couldn't really appreciate why everybody has the, such an affinity for them. I kind of... It kind of made me appreciate the Beatles a little bit uh, a little bit more. So, without further ado... You're musically be... knowledgeable enough that you go back to an affinity for Year of the Cat, but the Beatles had somehow escaped you... Up until See, this point, I didn't quite fully comprehend that um, the Beatles really b were the ones who pioneered that symphonic rock sound. Yeah, and and so they're so everybody who came after them was really and and to this day are just basically mimicking them. They ha had a different sound to all of their al albums, and I didn't I don't know why this escaped me so many times. Um, but uh, I mean, it's not my favorite band still, but I do have more of an appreciation. That's why now. people consider. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the most influential album in the history of American pop music, because that's where that fusion that you described was 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 largely uh, cemented and formed, and cool. and that that's exactly what you just explained. One yeah. more question, Aaron: What's the over under on this list breaking, Steve? Worse than ever breaking you know before. We've done one of these before. I think this list is better. Okay. Um, those That's might be the famous last words, but um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be able to get a rise out of Steve somehow, some way. So we're going to do the top twenty uh, since I think we have enough time to do that, and we'll start uh, without further ado with uh, the end. Comes in at number twenty, and this is a courtesy, I should say, of USA Today. This is, so USA Today thinks the twentieth best Beatles song they ever did was the end. Yep. Yep. Can we end this countdown right now? It's happening, folks. It's happening. Why? You know, here's what happens with these things. All right. <laughs> Can I give it the Joe Biden thumbs up? You ever had that friend? You ever you ever had you ever had that friend that was like, 
Nice job, Aaron. <laughs> You're going through the McDonald's drive-thru and you get like the a quarter pounder, a Big Mac, some chicken McNuggets, you know, uh, yeah. the standards, right? And he's like, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe you get, maybe you get the fish sandwich, right? The McFish, right? And you have that one friend who's like, tries to order the McRib out of season. And then they like, you know, they, they order the salad. Or like a guy who comes over to your house to play poker and he calls, you know, um, Texas Hold'em or something like that. Yeah. And they've got the six ingredients that they want to take out of it, you know, and put in. And then by the time they do that, you're like, why didn't you just get a quarter pounder? They just, they have to go off menu. They, they, they can't, they just refuse to just acknowledge that the reason these things are popular is because they're, they're the best things here. That's, that's why they're popular. Because Gotta be hipsters about things. Yes. Yeah. The people who put these lists together are that person every single time. Yeah. You're, they're, they're, uh, there's the 20 greatest songs the Beatles ever did, and we're going to start with the end. Now, if you're telling me, let me clarify something. Is this the full um, melody at the end of Abbey Road, which includes yeah. she came in through the bathroom window, yeah. polythene, Pam, the whole thing? Uh, was yeah, yeah, I believe so. And in the end, the love you the take love is, you, is equal to the love you make. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if you're including that entire body of songs, I will take back what I said, and I will, in fact, buy. Here's why: because that 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 entire body, um, is phenomenal. It's a group of songs. It's a grouping of songs at the end of Abbey Road. It the last of the grouping of songs is the end. And the, the, actually the last line of original music the Beatles ever recorded is, in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. The Let It Be album came out after Abbey Road in 1970, but a lot of those were songs that were recorded in the Abbey Road session that just weren't put on the Abbey Road album. So the last, the last line of original music the Beatles ever recorded there at Apple Records in that studio together are, is that block of songs at the end of Abbey Road. Almost like they... May precog we, precognitively we, knew we, we they, were, they to, weren't going to last much we, longer. Yeah, we got to get to number nineteen now. Okay, right. <laughs> where did you think this belongs then? I, I'm okay with it being on the list if it's that whole block. If it's just that yeah, you know I, little thing at the end, then no. But if it's that whole block of songs, I'm okay. Yeah, with I'm it. not sure if it's the whole block of songs or not. To I'm going to choose yeah, because to, I want to. to I want yeah. to like this list. I'm going to choose to believe it's the block of songs at the end. Number okay. nineteen is Ticket to Ride. Maybe it's not the block of songs at the end. Maybe I was wrong, and it's just that one song, and they're just this bad. There's 20 great Beatles songs, and and you think Ticket to Ride is one of the 20 greatest songs the Beatles have ever done. It isn't? I'm, no. No, it's not. I, I, I hate to go all Jim Moore here. It's that obvious? Playoffs! You think you know, but you just don't know, and you never will. I hate to do that, but no, that's sell. It's not one of greatest 20 songs the Beatles have ever done. Todd? I, not Leave me out of this, man. Okay. Todd knows better. Um, Todd knows. <laughs> number 18. Down power line, danger. Number 18, I want to hold your hand. I'm fine with that being on there. Yep. You know, it's one of the songs that launched their career. I don't think it's one of their 20 best songs, but it's, it's certainly one of their 20 most important ones, so I'm okay with it. Bye. Number 17, I saw her standing there. I, again, it, 
that's a that's a far better song than Ticket to Ride. I just I also don't think it's one of their twenty best songs though. Hmm. So I'll sell. Uh, number sixteen, Blackbird. It's one of my favorite Beatles songs. Of course it is. So, is this not a good song or something in, in your mind? It's not the sixteenth best song that Beatles ever did. Is it higher or lower? It's, it's, a, it's a tad lower. Okay. Like 20, 30 spots lower, maybe. Really? Yeah, probably. Uh, that's a great okay. song. All right. Uh, number 15, A Hard Day's Night. My only hesitation is what may come after it. Okay, but um, I'll buy it. Okay, I'll okay. buy that. Right. Uh, number 14. Are, sure, are you sure you actually love the Beatles and don't hate them? I don't know that the people who did this list love the Beatles, but yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, number 14, Can't Buy Me Love. Are there 13 Beatles songs better than that? That's going to be our first benchmark, right? Whenever we do these, I like to have benchmarks mm. where, you know, you got to convince me the song after this one is better than that. Okay. So I'm going to buy it right now, but you got it from here on out. You have to convince me the next 12 songs are all better than Can't Buy Me Love. All right, this one I don't think I've ever heard. Number 13, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Oh. You've never heard that? That's from the same album that Blackbird is actually on. That's from um, the White Album. What are some of the lyrics? Okay. Um, were you trying to get me to sing? No. Okay. No, I just can't remember. Um, is it the, that number, that's number 13? Yep. It's not a better song than Can't Buy, Can't Buy Me Love, though. So, so. Okay. Number 12, this should be higher. Eleanor Rigby. Really unique song. Not better than Can't Buy Me Love, though, so I'll sell. I love the way they played the song, used it, though, as part of the plot in uh, in Yesterday. That was very clever. Yep. 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 Uh, number 11, Norwegian Wood. So. I've never heard that one. It's happening. So. Uh, I'm just going to, for the sake of our audience, yeah. I'm just going to sell. Yeah. Okay. They've heard enough. Uh, number uh, number ten. Leave it. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Let it be. Sell. That should be like number one or two. That that's. In, I mean, I, that I think it's one of the five best pop songs ever made. Uh, period. And you're telling me that's only their tenth best song ever. Yeah. Uh, you're all fired. Everyone at USA Today is fired. Keep going. <laughs> uh, so it, it, it needs to be higher than that yeah. more uh, number nine here comes the sun uh, it's in the top five I think I, I'm gonna buy it just cause I'm I, I'm fine with it being somewhere in the top ten I think it's the best song on Abbey Road trying to salvage this thing <laughs> I'm trying yes who says that I am not willing to make some compromises so yes alright I'll give it to you alright number nine no, we, we just did that number eight help sell it's nowhere no who thinks help is better than let it be and here comes the sun or or can't buy me love for that matter who thinks that i'll tell you no one with any taste that's who okay so there you go so all right number seven tomorrow never knows the uh, i know why it's there this was kind of the the gateway song off this is the the uh, probably the most famous track on Rubber Soul. This is where the Beatles are starting to really get into drugs, particularly Lennon. 
And it was the song that was kind of the gateway to what would come later with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, but it's not a better song than Let It Be, not even freaking close, man. It's not, it's not in the galaxy. It's not in the galaxy of Let It Be. Are you kidding me here? Sell. This is the worst list you've brought to the table yet. And I know. <laughs> I'm doing my job. Uh, number six, yesterday. Still to this day, it is the, it's been aired more on FM radio than any song in the history of, of pop music is yesterday. Um, it's not a better song than Let It Be. But, I, but I, here's the thing. It's not a better song than Let It Be, but I think it's ranked about where it needs to be. Does that make sense? So what would I do? It's, it's ranked about where it should be, but yep. it's not a better song than Let It Be. Does that well, make sense is not a term or a phrase that applies to this entire conversation. I, I guess then right? I'll buy it. it it's ranked oh. where it should be, but it's, not, it, it's ahead of some songs that it should not be. Number five, Revolution. Definitely one of the best five songs they ever did. Um, the message behind the song of Lennon cracking, essentially Lennon is Nancy Pelosi cracking back on Rakita Tlaib, Ilan Omar, and, and Ocasio-Cortez. That's essentially what the song is. Um, uh, hey, you know, we're, you're, we really believe this peace and love thing, and you guys are out there in the streets, you know, bombing campuses. We're not down with that. And do you actually know how many people uh, Chairman Mao has killed over there with his little red book? Do you, are you even paying attention to the body count over there? Um, I'll buy. It belongs in the top five, but if it's number five, I'm scared to death of what the next four are. Uh, number four is Hey Jude. It's it's also one of the five best songs they ever did. Um, so they think there's three Beatles songs better than Hey Jude, Let It Be, and Revolution, because I would probably rank those the three best songs they ever did. And they think there's three more songs after that? Yep. I'm very concerned here. I'm very concerned. Number three is Something. I think it belongs somewhere around the top 10. Um, probably the second best song on Abbey Road. And I can't remember the backstory of that song. Is that a song that, because George Harrison and Eric Clapton had a thing where one of their wives left him for the other. And I can't ever remember if it was, if it was Harrison's wife that left him for Eric Clapton or Clapton's that left him for George Harrison. And the song was written to her. So Harrison either wrote it to the girl, the woman that left him for Clapton, or the woman that he took away from Clapton. I can't remember which. It's a great song. It's a powerful ballad. It's not better than Let It Be, Revolution, uh, or Hey Jude. So I will sell. But it certainly belongs, I think, around the top 10. Uh, number two in my life. And, and uh, okay. Can we Jeez, debate whether Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are candy bars? That's a great song. It, it is, but it's 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 not Which is better. better. Is was Johnny Cash's version of that better or the Beatles? You've heard Johnny Cash's, right? Are, are you? I think Johnny Cash's was better. It's a great song. But is Johnny he still Cash's, talking? Yeah. I'm just enjoying this. This is pop a okay. corn I, time, I just, baby. I'm, pop the corn. I'm uh. I'm broken. I'm very broken right now. You guys ready for number one? No. Bring I think it. I speak for all of America when I say... Not me. No. Number one is Imagine. It's not... It's, it's not a Beatles 
their number one Beatles song is not a Beatles song. It's that's like saying, "Hey, Rocky Mountain Way is my favorite Eagles song." It's not a not an Eagles song, um, actually. Joe Walsh put that on a solo album. It's yeah, my favorite Eagles song is "Dirty Laundry." That's not a Eagles song, dumbass. It was yeah, Don Henley. Um, Moron. I was, I was just, I'm just yanking your chain. Okay. Not to mention it's an offensive atheist okay. lullaby, but it's also not a Beatles song. Yeah. That's it's not, not number it one. It's not number one. I no. would have totally believed it, actually. <laughs> yeah. It would be great if it was, though, for another yeah. reason. Can I, can because... I guess what they're going to say? Yeah. Across the universe. Nope. Okay. What is it? A Day in the Life. That would be the next song I was going to guess. So, A Day in the Life, Sirius XM does this countdown every year to the audience on Memorial Day weekend uh, on the Beatles channel renews the top 100 Beatles songs of all time and a day in the life wins number one, like almost every time it's a great song. I don't, I don't think it's anywhere in this could hold the jock strap of Hey Jude, for example, or let it be. So I will sell, but I don't have a problem given the high regard for that song with it being ranked highly. I just wouldn't rank it. Number one. Would you like to know what the number 184th out of 188 Beatles song they have is? No, it's, it's octopus's garden. It's a great yeah, song. Yeah, that's a great song. Ringo Starr, again. It's one yeah. of their five worst. That's another song off of Abbey Road. Yeah. I'm trying to look at other ones here. Where's Yellow Submarine? That should be higher. That should have been in the top 20, in my estimation. Yeah, this, yeah. These, you guys want to know I'd like the, to the be name? under the sea in yeah, an octopus's Charles, garden Charles, with you. Charles Curtis is the guy who wrote this list two years ago. Where does he have? Where does he have Maxwell's silver hammer? Where does he have that? Uh, Maxwell's silver hammer. Let me let me look that up. Uh, silver hammer. Come on, stupid. Okay, one hundred forty-eighth. One forty-eighth. We're okay. losing everybody now that Steve's yeah. not angst-ridden. You yeah. realize that? I just. They kind of redeemed themselves for you in that last five. That was not a total loss for you. I was. I should be more disappointed than you are. I I I might have been fine with that as a top five if, in a in a different order. You know, and here comes the sun. As to me, I'd rank higher. I think than you've got some explain. But, like, what's your standard for Beatles excellence? Though, I mean, you you must excellence. No, but you must realize that as eclectic a band as that was sure. over time, that people are going to come at it from different perspectives. Well, that's why that's why I disagreed with where they had. I want to hold your hand. That's why I disagreed with where they had Tomorrow Never Knows, but I understand and I disagree with where they have A Day in the Life. But I understand why those three songs are there. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I get that part of it because of what they represent in the band's evolution. So I'm not offended. I just disagree. Some of these other selections I, I, I found offensive. I know. <laughs> All right, we're going to stick around and tape a little overtime for our subscribers here on Blaze TV. For the rest of you all, we'll see you again noon Eastern tomorrow right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.